Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast, where each week we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. We have bellied up on this. What is today? I don't know what day of the week today it is. It, well, obviously it's Wednesday, but it's October 18th. So here on October 18th, joining us from not far from me. I'm not going to say where. It's none of your business. They can tell you if they want to tell you. But joining us from just down the, just a, a nice swim down the Hudson, which no <laughs> one has said, or at least not ended up with many, many shots needing it. Joining us, though, she's a TV executive, best-selling author. She's got a she's the founder of the pajama program, which, as we were talking about before, my six-year-old would love this because that's all he wants to do is wear pajamas. But joining us from downstate, we have and I'm gonna butcher your last name. Just be ready for it. Don't hold it against me. Just be prepared. We have Miss Genevieve Petru. Uh, say it, Genevieve. Pitoro. There you go, Genevieve. Because I knew I was going to butcher it. <laughs> okay. Normally I ask before. Well, well welcome, Miss Genevieve. How are you? I'm fine, John. How are you? Stupendous as always. Uh, you know, your end of the your end of our our state here. You're not ready for snow yet. I think it's going to snow here mm-hmm. in about. A, you know, we're. I gotta go get my snow. I gotta go get my tractor with the snow thrower. Oh no. It's just, it's a thing. It's an upstate thing. And we're not even the worst. We're not like Syracuse or, mm. or Buffalo or all that. We still get beat up by it. But let's get going. Let's get some house cleaning done here, folks, so we can talk about what Miss Genevieve's got going on, her new book and all those things. And look, if you're looking to figure out about Genevieve before we get going, you want to kind of like beat, beat it to the punch because I know all of you have watched every single post we put out. But if you look up Genevieve and her last name is spelled P-I-T-U-R-R-O.com, you can get a little bit of information before we get going. But before too far, as always, folks, over my right shoulder is sticker and a cause. You've got something you support. Maybe you have an organization. You've got your own podcast. Maybe you've got a gift that you want people to know about, an item that's out there. Reach out to me on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, X, and TikTok and Instagram, and it's all the Above the Bar podcast. Even our email is above the bar podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you got going on. I'll tell you where to send the sticker. We put it on the big board. If you didn't know why we didn't have a show last week, my best friend Ken and I, we went to New York City Comic Con, and we got us a sticker. So if you can see this sticker, if you're watching the live version, this is Marmals, M-A-R-M-A-L-S.com. Probably one of the coolest little things I've seen in a while. These are each one of them. You can color. It's a company out of Portland, Oregon. You can color them. They look like little marshmallow guys, but they sell them. You can buy sneakers for them. You can buy little beanies for them and you can color them and erase them. And the gentleman that that had them was super cool. And we were talking about it. The sneakers actually come in a little sneaker box and he's playing off the fact that I didn't know this. Maybe Genevieve, you might've known this, that Portland is like home to, uh, Nike and Reebok and a bunch of other shoe companies. Oh, are, I didn't know that either. So they play off of that that whole fact. So their their little things come with it. Great gift, 
we picked up uh, some for my granddaughter, $28. It was an easy gift. And what was really cool is all the figures, all the parts to them are magnetically attached. So it's not like these, I hate Funkos. Genevieve, I hate Funkos. You know what a Funko is? No. <laughs> Congratulations. They are the soulless little things. And no matter what, you know, it's the gift that grandmas give to their their grandkids when they're like, oh, he likes comic books. Here, have this. And they're horrible. I hate them. But okay. these marmals, they're movable. They're posable. So check out marmal.com, M-A-R-M-A-L-S, marmal.com. We're going to put them up on the big board for sticker and a cause. And now we got to get to our sponsors. Look, folks, it's that time of the year, as we were joking about it, getting cold. Make sure you're reaching out to Budget Blinds of East Greenbush and Budget Blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki, New York. They've got you covered, got your window treatments. During the month of October, they're doing 25% off your entire window treatment. Plus, if you give them a referral and that referral be, ends up making a purchase, they'll either give you a $50 gift card or for the month of uh, October, they're doing donations to Women's Veterans Alliance. This is a women's group that supports female service members as they're getting out of the services, helping them with that transition, mm -hmm. also working with female females to understand what their medical benefits are, how to get those benefits, and female small business owners. They've done over $100,000 in donations to female-owned veteran businesses. So make sure you're checking out. And if you go onto their, their website, just look up Budget Blinds of East Greenbush or Budget Blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki. New York, you look them up on their website. They have the link. You can make a donation also to Women's Veterans Alliance. All right, Miss Genevieve, all the house cleaning is done. The bar is open. The floor is yours. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Can you make me a Manhattan? I, you know what? Um, <laughs> tell me everything that's in a Manhattan. I mean, right do it. Well, I know that it's bourbon, not not Greek. Well, I got I got Cooperstown. Okay, I'll take that. Okay. Um, well, it's mostly that. So I don't Watch remember what else is in. I just asked the bartender for it, and it's still there. And it's just they just make it fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I don't like if it's got anything like I have a lot of stuff. I got a lot of stuff under here, but I need to replenish. It's been a while. I just <laughs> I haven't I haven't bought anything new or different in a long time. But next next time. Okay. Next. But so, folks, I, I want to get into this. So you. Make sure I got this right. Make sure I, I, I said everything. So you were a TV executive. How long were you a TV executive for? 12 years. Okay. And shows that people would know? Three's Company, Too Close for Comfort, Benny Hill. Wait a second. So three's all, all of them in syndication because earlier I was younger. So I did okay. all the syndication. Uh, we just lost them. Suzanne Summers. Yes, a couple of days ago. Yes. Yeah. That was – so we just – and then – I watched a lot of Benny Hill with my grandfather. I had no idea what I was watching. I know. None. It was crazy to work with him. Crazy. I didn't understand a word he said. He just laughed. He laughed and I laughed. Oh, so you, you, so they were in syndication at this point, but you actually still met. Well, Benny Hill did some original live, not original, not, not live, original New York specials for, I think it was, um, USA years ago. So I was involved in those new made for the US specials. Oh. The others, yes, I met them, but yes, they were also in syndication. John Ritter was wonderful, also gone too young. 
and he was a lot of fun to work with. Um, but um, Benny was crazy. Since you like him, I can I can tell you he was just. I would walk down the streets of Manhattan with him, and from block away on the opposite side of the street, I would hear guys yelling, "Benny Hill, that's Benny Hill. Can we come over? Is that Benny Hill?" I, I didn't. You know, I, I never saw anything like it. They'd, they'd see him, they'd know his walk, they'd run over. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. yeah like I said, I, I can remember my grandfather would just like that Lawrence Welk and uh, there was a, oh, and uh, he liked Wheel of Fortune. Mm. That was like his shows, but that's too funny. So you did that for 12 years. Uh, I did that for 12 years. Yes. So now what, what had you, I mean. I mean, you're not talking little shows. You're not talking unknown. So you you had to be good at what you were doing. I mean, because they don't hand that type of programming to to Nick, the new guy. And so you had to be very good. Why walk away from something like that? Well, I did the creative. So I was VP creative services. So I did the PR, which is why I was with a lot of them. Um, a lot of the time they were doing press and I was organizing all of that. So um, I, I always wanted to be in TV. You know, I grew up watching Mary Tyler Moore's show and Mary Richards, the character, was who I wanted to be. And that was really foreign to my family. My dad came from Italy. My mom was Italian, too. And, you know, they raised four of us. And I was the first one to get married and have kids. And, you know, here I am wanting to be a single career girl. So I did that. And I thought that was success. And it was exciting and fun. And I loved it. I didn't have any time to do anything but work, but I, I did love it. And then I I had a moment where I heard a voice in me ask, if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? And that's when, Sean, I, I realized I'd been just climbing so fast because I thought it was exciting and it was you know, status symbol to work in New York City and work in the entertainment business. And everyone thought it was success as I did. But then I realized that that I would be alone forever and, and a workaholic and something was missing. And I didn't know it until that voice sort of piped up. And I realized that, that I wanted children in my life in some way. So I went looking for a way to bring children into my life. And that's when everything just turned upside down i'm just i mean i understand exactly what you're saying you know that i mean you i mean 12 years and you were hustling frisco what's going on brother man that's a good friend of mine another marine that just recently retired but uh so so what was that i mean because the other side to it and i don't i don't need to see your your stubs or nothing but i mean vp PR, you know, syndicated shows. I mean, there was a couple of zeros behind that check. Yeah, yeah. No, no um bones about it. Yeah, it was a good paying job. And the, you know, if I had kept going, it would have been even better, you know. But in that moment when that voice, when I heard that voice come from from in here, and I knew it was my heart, not my head voice. I I went looking for more and I just didn't know what I was looking for. And since then, I mean, I can tell you the story. Yeah, please. But, um, so I started, I realized that I wanted children in my life. And I saw recently a little, a little boy taken out of his home by police, not personally, I saw on TV. And it stayed with me because it was so 
traumatic. And I called the police and I said, where do you bring these kids? And they told me about the shelters in every city and the one in New York City. And I called and I asked if I could go and volunteer and read at night to these children who were there in this emergency situation. And they were certainly, you know, horrified and afraid. And I was welcomed in to read to the kids at night. And I did. And these kids were like that one little boy brought in by social workers and police just within 24 hours. It was an emergency shelter. And I would read stories to these kids who you can imagine how they looked. You know, they, they were literally brought in in whatever clothes they had. Most of them didn't fit well or were soiled. The children were afraid, had been crying, worse. And it was silent. And I would just be reading. Nobody would, they, the kids would just stare at me. They were little. And I did that week after week, and I really felt grounded, but I was still working, but I had them on my mind all the time. And one night I followed to where they were taking them to go to sleep after I read stories to them. And it was so sad to see them huddled together in this very bare room, some of them crying and sleeping in the same clothes that they had been brought in. in. And I asked if I could bring some pajamas because I had these memories flood to me in that moment of my mom and putting us four kids to bed and, you know, loving and, you know, snacks and laughing and stories and pajamas. And I, I said, can I bring pajamas for the kids next week? And the caregivers, that was a nice idea. And I did. And after I read that night with the bags of pajamas I had, and I started giving giving out the pajamas, a little girl was so afraid of me. She wouldn't take them. And all night I gently tried. And in the end, she just looked at me and she just whispered to me, what are pajamas? And that's when something dramatic happened in, in my body, in my brain, my heart. And I just couldn't, couldn't stop thinking about her. And I questioned and how many other kids were there like that. And I, and I just, I became obsessed in a, in a word. And all my passion for that job and the success of the status just disappeared. And I Evaluate just yeah, it, it, there was a connection I felt with her, with myself, and it it was just it was shocking to me, and it was just it took over, took over my everything in my life. Now, I mean, this story. I mean, if it doesn't touch your heart, you just don't have one. You're grinching it. Um, but what was some of the reaction? Because I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate right now for a minute. I mean, here you are. You're a very successful woman, very quickly moving up the ladder into a man, what would be typically considered as a man's world. You're, you're running, you're running shit. You're, you know, you're the boss lady. And here you are. I'm going to leave and I'm going to kind of dummy it down a little bit. I'm going to leave for children. I'm going to leave for a maternal instinct. How much hate did you catch from that? From, from other women who are pushing for that level and how many men were condescending? Like, yeah, see, like you had to have heard it. Like, yeah, see, he's like, see, we, we, you wasted that position on her. Well, you, you are absolutely right because I felt all those things. I was afraid of all those things, so I didn't tell anyone what I was doing. And I was getting through the day. I used to, you know, go in at the crack of dawn and leave. At, you know, when the sun was setting and that wasn't happening because I was shopping, I was shopping for pajamas and I was trying to make my time 
I tried to go to all the shelters I could. And I was leaving at lunch, which I never took to buy more stuff. And I had this big phone with me. That, then the cell phones were so big, you know, and you weren't allowed to really have them, but I would sneak in. I would take the calls from the shelters. And it was just becoming clear that I was, I was, I was drifting from everything I was doing. And I, I didn't tell anyone because of all of those reactions. And also because I didn't know what this was. I had a mortgage I paid by myself. I didn't know how I was ever going to, to make any money, but I just kept putting that aside. And after about six or eight months, I said, okay, I've, I've got to try to confide in someone. Maybe someone can help me. So I picked a friend who was also a career woman. And I just said, let's have a drink. And we went and I had two <laughs> Manhattans or two guys. <laughs> and I had rehearsed what I was going to say. And it sounded really stupid. It sounded like, you know, so I said what I rehearsed. And I, even when I said it out loud, I heard it. And I said, you know, I met this little girl because I had this uh, voice in me. And I, uh, and I went and I read to these kids and then she didn't have pajamas and I brought them and she didn't know what they were. So I'm trying to figure out how to quit my job and do this. And her reaction was exactly what you guessed. She looked at me like I had six heads and she said, are you kidding me? She said, you have been climbing this ladder and you have come so far. Can't you just do that on Saturday? And she, and that was just the beginning. She was, you know, how are you going to make money? Do you know how you have a mortgage? all these things. And I felt like she was like, you know, just shooting me. And, and I just, and I had no answers, Sean, I, because I didn't know any of those answers. And I was afraid. I got what I was afraid of, you know, that was not just resistance, that pummeling. And so I made an excuse and I left and I was so upset because I thought part of me, at least she would have been compassionate. At least me, I was like, I was hoping she'd say, oh, I'll help you. No, but no, but no. So I clammed up again for a long time. And, you know, I, I write about, about it in my first book and I, and I was juggling and I, and I say, leave juggling to the clowns because I was making a message <laughs> of my job. You know, my bosses didn't know who this skeleton of me was. I was messing up and you know, I, I had to, I had to dig deep to say, am I crazy? But I didn't think I was. I just thought I was on to something. And the other thing is I told my parents, you know, my father was very worried because he taught me the hard work ethic. Came from Italy, you know, he worked hard. And, and my mom was more loving, said, you know, I think you'll figure it out. But she was the one who put us to bed. You know, she she was the one who was all love and all about that little girl. And the best part, though, is I met this man and you know he didn't know about that yet and he thought I was a career girl and I and I was getting serious and with him and I said I better tell him because he thinks I'm gonna be a career girl we're gonna have a two income life <laughs> and you know he if he's gonna leave you know I better sooner rather than later. So I told him the story about the little girl and he said I think you should go for it. And that was that was the Point where I didn't feel so alone and I could breathe easier because it was someone that um, I didn't ex didn't know how we would react and you know and and he was he was understanding about it so slowly slowly 
Um, I transitioned um, to part-time and I just kept working until, you know, just to pay some of the bills and whatever I could contribute because it was never the same again. Right. And, and I mean, Genevieve, this is an amazing story. I mean, and, and Kristen, I think she nails it. Your story is inspiring, purposeful. I think that's the best word for it. Purposeful. That was so brave to follow your heart and your passion. And, and so, so you tell this gentleman, uh, did, did he become Mr. Genevieve? Yes. 24 years now. Yes. Okay. All right. So, so he's Mr. Genevieve, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> Mr. Genevieve. Uh, so, so you, you guys get married and, and this becomes your purpose in life is, is these children. Um, my, my wife and I have talked about it and it's so funny. There's such a difference between talking about it and then being about it. You're about it. You, you, you've, we've talked about because our youngest was in a NICU. Oh, you know, we should go over and hold the babies and do all these things. And I always say, we talked about it. We were never about it because we were busy with other life things and we didn't take that time. That's just so amazing that you just, you did it. Now, where does the, the first book, come from and the, the first one being and folks look if you want to know about Genevieve I can't say enough and, and I'm I'm sorry Genevieve I'm gonna butcher it again Petruo say Petura. Petura. <laughs> and see Petura I can say it once somebody else hey. so Genevieve Petura and the website is Genevieve and then P I T U R R O dot com. Go check out what Genevieve's got go going on. So now from all this where does the first and the first book is Purpose, passion, and pajamas, or purpose, passion, and pajamas, correct? Yes. Now, when, what, what, in, I mean, obviously, we know what inspired the book, but what made you think, hey, I got to put this, you know, pen to paper so people can hear this? Well, over the now, pajama program is 23 years old, and that's official. I started this before I got the 501c3, you know, a year and more just running around like just me. So, I never in a million years thought that I'd be here talking to you, Sean, about this story from you know 20 some years ago. But people felt the way I did when I would tell the story about her. So it grew and grew. So as I was growing pajama program nationally, because people wanted to hear from other cities when things happened and luckily got some national press and was growing. I realized that there was that word you're talking about purpose at the core of everything. And people wanted to find purpose and people were trying to be brave enough to make that jump. And so I would be asked to speak about it and I'd be asked to tell the story and I'd be asked to mentor and help other people. And I wanted to write the story so that I, I would hope I would inspire someone because the book is not everything worked out great all the time, every minute. No, it was, it was scary. It was hard. I cried a lot. I still cry. Um, the things I saw were heartbreaking. The I financial distress I put on myself and my new husband, it was, it was up and down, up and down. I never lost faith. I doubted myself and I was so afraid, but I just, the most, 
frightening thing was to let the kids down. So I wanted people to understand if I was going to tell them, please find your purpose. It will change your life. You will never feel more fulfilled. It, it just raises the bar of everything. It changes the people in your life. It changes your family. It changes you, everything for the better. I had to be honest and tell everything. So I did. And I knew after 20 years of day-to-day -day executive director as well as founder, I knew I wanted to write the book. And I tried five times while I tried to work as executive director and I couldn't find the time. So I said, I want to speak and I want to write. So that's why the book came out. And I passed the baton of executive director after 20 years to the president of our board, who had, is an attorney. And she always said, I don't want to be an attorney anymore. If you ever are serious about going out, speaking about purpose and writing, please consider me. So we did and we voted her in. So that's why the book came out. And that's why now my career, my mine is my second chapter of purpose to share that and to get up close and personal so I can hopefully support and be cheerleaders for other people. Now you kind of touched on something. And I'm curious because I mean, you're, you're already can canonized. I mean, as a good Catholic kid growing up, you're already, I mean, you're pushing for that canonization already. Uh, if they need anybody to sign off on it, I'll sign off. Oh, well, do you, well, do you know, good, but you know, uh, but I'll sign off. But I mean, it sounds like your, your husband's not far behind, you know, he's, you know, we can start calling him Joseph because he's got that. I mean, he, he went, he went with it. He's like, all right, if this is the path God's taking us on, we're going to, we're going to run with this thing. But it, what was there ever a point where, you know, he ever said to you, like, look, Genevieve, I love you. I love what we're doing. We can do this on, on, on Saturdays and weekends. I need you back working. Like the bills got to get paid and, and things are getting tight. Did it ever reach that point for you guys? No, but what he said was I worked part-time doing sales, whatever I, I could. And then finally pajama program grew and we had an accountant and an attorney and they mapped out a plan for me to get some salary. So we paid, we did move. We did sell what I owned and we did rent. We're still here in this apartment, no regrets. But the one issue he had and he was justified was I, I didn't pay any attention to him. I took him for granted, you know, I, and I used him to drive me around. I, you know, I just expected him to come to meet all the people that wanted to meet me and give me pajamas. And he would talk to me and I'd be on the phone or I'd be right and I wouldn't be there. So he never, ever complained about the money. He only said, you, you're not talking to me. I'm trying to talk to you. You have no time at all for me. You're exhausted 24 seven. I'm helping you 24 seven and I'm working. I deserve you to look at me when we talk. And he was right. He was that's right. Awesome. You know what, though, that I will tell you, that's a sign of a good relationship, though, and a good dude, because too many guys would have just been like, well, screw this. You ain't going to pay attention to me. I ain't going to pay attention to you. I ain't got time for you. Ain't got time for me. I ain't got time for your your stuff. He manned up and was like, and told you what the deal was and let you know. That's a good dude. You got a good dude. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I get Okay. He's going to get canonized also. So. <laughs> Both of you get it. Look at that. We're making saints on this show tonight. <laughs> no. we're, doing, we're doing big things. I don't need the Pope. 
don't need you do it myself. But so, so the first book comes out and I mean, you, I mean, you, you kind of say, ah, it got a little bit of publicity. Oprah, Today Show, Forbes. I mean, you've rang the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. That was fun. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's not just brush this off like, yeah, you know, it got a little bit of, it got a little bit of recognition. I was getting a little bit of press. Like, it, I mean, it like took off. I mean, it had a, had some legs to it. It sounds like. Well, pajama program did, and then the book did pretty well. And the, you know, also the book came out, which I had no control over, right smack in the shutdown of COVID. So all the events that I was hoping to promote the book disappeared. And I was like this virtual with friends doing during that launch. But if you remember, and it's still true today, people went through and came out of COVID looking for purpose, looking for more meaning in their life, right? We all looked back and, and a lot of people were and are making changes to find more meaningful life, work, balance, all of that. So when my book came out about that, which was not intentional, was my story to hopefully inspire others to, to consider a purpose. It was just aligned with what we were going through. So it, it got some awards and it sold because I think it just resonated. And, and I'm grateful because if I had been told it was going to come out in this crazy new world, I would have run the other way. I mean, look, we have BC, AD. We, we could probably add into that pre-COVID and post-COVID. I mean, because that's at least in modern day, that is that is our lives. We talk about things like, oh, you know, before we could do this, before after, you know, we have, now have to do that. So, but now that you do bring up a great, point though during a period like covid how were you able to even collect donations get these out to these locations were they you know i've never dealt with it personally so how were those facilities even run for them to be able to have kids in those situations right well i had i was not the executive director but i was of course in contact with her and it was First, everyone was in shock, obviously. So we had have a reading center in New York City, which is the headquarters. So that couldn't have children come because children will come there, be read to and get pajamas and, and more. So the physical place there, the physical place in Atlanta, any of our chapter presidents who are reading to children, that stopped. The mailing of packages didn't stop. Okay. Some of the places, if they could, they tried to find a home for the children in their care. If there were any relatives or if there were any arrangements so that they weren't as many kids together because of the fear of being sick. But some places were open with the children because that's, that's how they have to serve these children and care for these children. So after everybody took a breath and just took a look at where the deliveries were going, that was made if, if that was a place that was open, they were getting, they were getting pajamas and books. Now, now I, I kind of picked up on it and you said, you know, they would get read to and get pajamas and more. How has this actually evolved then? And, and I know I'm staying with that and we do have a second book and I want to get to it, but this is just so fascinating to me. 
how how did you evolve that program through your time as the executive director? And look, let's be honest, Genevieve, you may not be the executive director, but your thumbprint is on every single thing that goes on there. You can't you your heart print is on that. Like I'm I'm feeling like like I I'm missing the mark by not doing more. And I'm like, I got my the, the groups that I support, but I'm like, man. I, I need to get get more involved just listening to you. So how did it evolve from, I know it sounds like they're getting books, they're getting pajamas. Is there anything else that they're doing now for these kids? Um, well, we started with books and pajamas and all new because these children never got anything new. So the books were new and the pajamas were new and they could keep them, of course. Um, and then we opened reading centers so the children could come to us and be with our volunteers and staff and sit on the floor, just like I did that first day, read a story or hear a story from a volunteer, and then get a pair of pajamas to take back to wherever they were going. And so we have centers that we do that in, a couple of them. And then any of the chapter presidents can go with permission from the um, places where the children are living or staying and do the same thing. But it, it has evolved because bedtime was always such a scary time for them. And, and that was why it hurt me so much to see them at night, you know, being alone and hug each other for comfort in a bed and not know where they were going to, what's going to happen tomorrow. And I, and I thought, how are they going to they have nightmares? This is not right. We have to let them have a, a calm night. So now Jamie, the executive director is working on teaching the children and the caregivers who want to learn more about bedtime and how sacred that is and how important it is for these children to establish that downtime, that routine. So that brings them some peace and some sleep because the children I met, especially early on, they weren't sleeping. And we all know now how much we're not sleeping. So you multiply that by a hundred and these children have been traumatized and they're, and they're, caregivers and their family, if they have family also living on the edge, how she's teaching how important it is for all of them to have that together routine at night. Wow. I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, it's inspiring. I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely inspiring the entire thing, but that wasn't, I mean, you didn't stop with that book with purpose, passion, mm -hmm. and pajamas. We now have purpose, passion, and moxie. Which, I used to drink. Did you ever drink Moxie? Yes, yes. In Massachusetts, I did. Yes. I mean, I mean, that's definitely a thing. How to lead the way and leave a, a legacy. So tell me a little bit about where that one came from. Well, I talk about purpose. So I, I speak everywhere on finding purpose. And because of the story, a lot of people ask for help, support. How do I start a nonprofit? Again, since COVID, that, that's been definitely an area of growth. People want to start nonprofits, even if they have a job, even if it's a chapter two and they're retiring, they're thinking ahead, or they want to do something on the side. So they want to start, people want to start a nonprofit. I said, okay, I can do this because in COVID, I taught virtual masterclasses on it. I can do this. I've taught enough. I've lived it. So I just wrote a, a book about how to do it with nothing but moxie 
And I've loved that word and it's never used enough. And I also know the soda and it's got that, you know, that bitterness. And it, it's not that we need to be, we need to just not let go. Need we just bite. Need to, it's got to have a little bite. Yes. We just need to have that edge. We just have to go for it in life generally. But I, looking back, I didn't have any know-how. I didn't even know what a 501c3 is. I got a package. We got it into a magazine and thousands of boxes came with pajamas and books and letters and cash up to the ceiling of this apartment and the first apartment we rented. And one letter said, if you'll send us your 501c3, we'd like to give you a grant. And I looked at my new husband and I said, what is this thing? 501 with a C in parentheses and a three. I had no clue, Sean. I didn't know what that was. And when I found out, I said, now this is a responsibility. These tens of thousands of people, trust me, I've yeah. got to do it right. It's huge. And I need help. So if there's a grant out there, I'm going to apply for it. So I knew nothing. And, and my first book also talks about the scraping by and the moxie. So I tell people, and I've always said to them, you just need to grab on tight and I will walk you through it and I'll help you. So this book does that. It's a workbook and it tells you step by step how I did it, where to go for help. And, you know, that, I, that I'm your cheerleader. Now, now you brought up about a lot of people now with, oh, I'm going to start a charity or 501C and, and all these things. My personal experience, like with veteran groups, I'm always like, there's too many. I tell people all the time, there's too many. Please stop. And it might sound like a crazy person. Your situation is very unique. Um, but I, do you feel like with the charity stuff that there's some saturation? And what I mean by that is if I have 50 charities I have to pick from, I got to give each one and I have $50, I got to give each one a dollar. Or would it make more sense to have one charity that knows that has it already figured out and I just give them 50 and, and they go about their business and make everything happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're saying. And, uh, you know, an impact is, is greater if you put more support behind it. I, I understand that, right. but I think I love finding all these or meeting all these people with incredibly niche charities and ideas. I mean, mine, I didn't know that it was so niche, but it was right. all I could manage at the time because it was just me. Like if it, was, if it wasn't for all those other people, I'd be like Santa Claus with a sack of pajamas on my, my back still. So I think, I think, well, there are umbrella charities. So there are some that will invite others to come under their umbrella for, for support so that it is one stop and they do a lot of things and the charities under them can do a lot of different things. So that's sort of one way to, to keep a, a cluster together. But I don't know. I think it's an individual decision on both sides. I think if you feel that strongly that you shouldn't be, you shouldn't walk away because all oh, there are other people giving clothes to people. But I, I do think a niche is good. I do think sticking to something different is helpful, um, but I wouldn't dissuade anyone from doing something if they really said, I, I really feel like this happened. And, and it's personal. Either right. somebody lived through it or somebody has ex 
witness something. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I just think about that often. Like for me on the veteran side, there's like every time I turn around, there's another, hey, I'm, I'm such and such dot org veteran group. And it's like, I've never heard of you guys. And then you find out, like, like you said, niche. We only focus on left handed veterans that, mm-hmm. you know, entered the service on an odd year and uh, mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. out on a month that ended. It, you know, it's like, bro. I like, know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a personal, personal decision and they feel strongly and, and they want to help. I get that. And I'm with it. I'm all about the help. I'm just, I'm always curious about that. Yeah. How people yeah. within 501C kind of a world. It, it, I mean, it is a world you, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, you operate within that and you still do that. So with the, with the book and everything, you know, teaching people about that, that part of it now when did that book come out um three weeks four weeks ago holy shit september how cool am i like like the coolest kid because i got you like this early on in it (laughs) like tell me now just tell me i'm cool and make me feel better so cool sean yes (laughs) (laughs) but 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 what has the reception been like between the first book and the second book you know are you still getting that media kind of national buzz where you're you know people are like hey you know because i don't know what your connections still to that tv media world are you know if you still maintain any connections when you when you left but are you still getting the same kind of buzz um well no and i didn't design it for that i didn't go all out like i did the first one i did this one because um, and i'm doing a workshop november 9th so on the book and helping people live webinar so I wanted it as a tool, really. Um, people are buying it because I'm talking about it and I post about it. And people who know what I do and who've asked me for help are supportive. And it, it and it's a good good workbook and a good guide. And it's an honest one. So I really didn't look for that recognition. I look I'm looking at it as a tool. Of course, I'd love it. You know, if it if it took out a took off on a national level, but that wasn't my, that wasn't my motive. Like it was with the first one. I wanted everyone to find purpose. So this is a little different. So when you, when you say it's a workbook, kind of give me an idea of, of what you, uh, what you mean by it's a workbook. Like when I think workbook, I think, you know, school, you know, there's steps in here, fill this out. Did you do this? Did you do that? Kind of walk me through that. Sure. Um, There are some chapters where I do ask people to write down things. So everyone, I I say one of the things is who are the three VIPs you must have? It's an attorney, it's a financial person, and it's a mentor. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't know an attorney who knows nonprofit. I don't know a bookkeeper or CPA knows nonprofit. Who in the world am I going to get to mentor me? And I have them write down um, who they know, who's any kind of an attorney, who they know, who might know, who any an attorney, and break it down to who you're going to call because there's six degrees of separation everywhere in life. Amen. So I do that and I talk to them about who do you know that is in the world? Who could introduce you? Do you know somebody who works in nonprofit? Put that person's name because that executive director can be your mentor. So that's one of those things. And then I have a self-realization test on there. What can you do really well? 
what are you absolutely not good at? And it's things like that. It's, it's to help you figure out how you get to the people you know, because that's the, that's the lifeline, you know, the human connection. I talk about that with purpose. The human connection is our lifeline in anything. And it's definitely your lifeline starting something new and starting a nonprofit is something new. So I'm an amazing speaker. I'm a horrible writer. Thank God for chat GPT. That, that would, that would be like, I, I would be, but I agree with you on, on the separation and folks, we're getting ready to close the bar here up soon. So for that separation piece, I, I kind of want to talk about that for a minute. The folks that you ended up with, I mean, was there anyone that, that was such a challenge for you to find? I mean, it sounds like you found some, you, you had some mentors, but you didn't come from that non-for-profit world. You know, it wasn't like, you know, you came from the for-profit world. So, so how did you find your folks? Well, first, I want to say that I haven't met anybody that thinks it's a piece of cake to ask for help. I think a lot of us struggle with asking for help. And I was one of them, especially 12 years in from one in one world. I was so embarrassed and was so afraid of what people were going to say if I started asking what I thought would be dumb questions. So, so you know, it's like, Snap out of it, <laughs> you know, moonstruck. You, you got to do it. Let's just do it. And that's that's where Moxie comes in. One of the places Moxie comes in. So, I had trouble asking for someone to mentor me because here I am in my you know mid thirties, having had a career, entering I felt like you know a dummy, and having to ask somebody who's running a, a great nonprofit to help me figure it out from zero. And that took me a while, but I also found out what I tell people, we want to help each other. People really, really do really want to help. And we're so afraid to ask. We feel vulnerable. We feel dumb. But if somebody asked you for information about something, you know, you tell them, right. In a heartbeat. Right. So, so that's, that was where I got stuck asking for help, asking for a mentor. Every person I think is a natural teacher if it's something you care about, you're naturally, you would naturally do it. Now, Nate, someday I will finish the book. It's nothing as interesting as what Genevieve has going on, but Genevieve, I warned you of something before the show started. What was it? Somebody's going to ask me about food. So Nate wants to know, and I'm going to adjust <laughs> Nate's question. He said, what is your go-to comfort food? But I want to know, not just what your go-to comfort food is. And we, you can tell us, but do you have a go-to, like I've been doing podcasts. I've been on the, on shows. I've been doing all these things, something that you sit down and it could be a Manhattan. We're good with that too. But your thing that you say, you know what? I'm sitting down with this meal and it just makes me feel better. Okay. So we're not going to talk about the calorie situation, right? Now we do skip. Nobody okay. cares. About calories, so, right? Nate, the answer I would give you would be fettuccine Alfredo. Just straight fettuccine Alfredo? Like anything, like shrimp Alfredo, anything? No, fettuccine Alfredo. I don't need any shrimp in it. I just want the pasta with the melty cheese. Just, oh, my grandmother made that and I couldn't get enough. So, so Genevieve, the name is Sean Patrick Murphy. 
my grandmother was Dartia Moranto and my great grandmother was Rose Valenziano. Oh, wow. So I know what you're talking about and I understand completely. And my cousin's 10 years older than me. So I don't remember some things when my grandmother passed, my great grandmother passed when I was four, but like you can ask people from the neighborhood, they would go to my great grandmother's house where my dad, because she would break bake bread every Friday. Yes. She always had fresh cookies. She always had something going on. And when I was little, did you do the red wine and soda? Mm-hmm. Yes. I always, like, I can still remember being three, four years old, getting <laughs> red wine and soda. And my, my mother, who's from the South being like, what are you doing here? And my father being like, eh, and my great grandmother being like, yeah, Munje, Munje, he's going to eat Munje, Munje. That's the one word I remember. Munje, Munje, eat, eat, you know, always. So I, yeah. you and I, I understand completely what yeah. you're talking about, but I just learned a new dish. Can I share with you my new dish? I just learned. I know it's a complete left turn for a moment. Yeah. yeah. I had one of my clients. So I love pesto. Good pesto. Mm-hmm. We have like one of the best here in New York. If you ever get a chance to get some Buddha pesto from up around Woodstock. Oh. Um, amazing, amazing pesto. You can always tell good pesto. Folks, if you know good pesto, put it in the refrigerator. If it starts to get solid a little bit, it's good pesto because that means it has real oil in it. And it's starting to kind of like solidify a little bit. Buddha, mm. the lady, she goes, oh, have you ever had mixture pesto with heavy cream? I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, what? Tell me more. And then I looked the recipe up. All you do is put pesto with a little bit of extra olive oil in it in a pan, let it get bubbly, and then slowly with a flat whisk, pour in heavy cream mm. and let it go under like a low heat. And it starts to mix in. And you've basically made pesto alfredo wow it sounds good really sounds good and then my wife is like oh let's add chicken into it i found a recipe with chicken i was like why wouldn't i (laughs) absolutely amazing so the fat kid just got a chance i could talk about it for a minute so what's our what's our next like you said you got a thing on november 9th right so that's my webinar okay Mm -hmm. so it's a webinar if -hmm. people wanted to sign up for the webinar how do they how do they find out about this if they go to my website They'll see a tab that says Jen's Books and Webinar. It's there. Okay. So what what can they expect out of this webinar? And and also if they follow me on any of my social media channels, they'll see. And me it's all the same. It's okay. all your name on all your social media. It's Genevieve, mm-hmm. and it's P I T U R R O, folks. And it's and it's all on my website. Um, it's all on the website. All of your yeah. social media is the same. She's smart. Keep it all simple. Yeah. Keep it all the same, but. What can they expect out of this webinar? What are some of the things that are going to be covered? Um, well, they'll they'll know about they'll talk to them about the three VIPs they need and how to get them. Um, let's see, I'm trying to go in order. Um, how to write your first business plan? And let me tell you something: my business plan was on white paper taped together <laughs> and markers. Mm-hmm. Very oh, Five years, year one, year two. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you. If I could do it, you could do it. How to ask for money, because I was deathly afraid, still oh, am. That's a big block for a lot of people. Um, fundraising on a shoestring. Um, marketing 101. Forget the fancy stuff. When you get to the fancy stuff, you'll have fancy people to help you. But basically, 
you got to know what you have to convey. Um, what else do I talk about? Legal stuff, I give a lot of resources and sources because I'm not an attorney and I don't want to be. So I tell you where to go for all the things you need. Um, talk about the financial piece and a little bit about how much money you should have because I had none. Um, what else do I talk about? Staff and volunteers, managing volunteers first, and then when you get to staff, what that is. And um, Moxie, how to get it. I love it. What's your thoughts on grant writers, like having a grant writer? You know, I talk about that in the book a lot. Yeah. I was, I someone suggested to me to get a grant writer because I was afraid to ask for money. I didn't, right, know, right. I didn't know where to find the grants. But I'll tell you one thing. Grant writers have a lot of experience. But if your voice is not in there, forget it. Doesn't mean anything. You're, it doesn't. In the story, in the narrative, you need to be the writer, whether you're telling a story or not, if you're putting pen to paper, great. Your story, your passion needs to come through. Do not let that person assume the narrative hundred percent. It doesn't work. Don't Lovely people, smart people. You've got to get in there and you've got to make the personal connection. You've got to write a letter. You've got to call. You've got to show up. You have to ask for the money in some way, shape, or form. And they could do the, the stuff about putting the research. They can do the stuff about putting the statistics. All of that's important. I get it. But I learned not going to sell. It's not going to sell without the heart. That, and, and I mean, and I'll throw this in and correct me if I'm wrong. They also need to understand that grant writers get paid by the amount of the grant. That, not not when I I used okay. one a while ago. So I don't know what arrangements people make now. Okay. Yeah. Like the ones I, I I've known was like, hey, if I get you a hundred thousand dollar grant, we take ten percent of that grant is for us. So it wasn't your experience. No, but okay. it's been a long time since I used one. Um, I've not heard that before. But I, I if it's legal, I I'm sure they have to run it by. Their yeah, attorney. Somebody, then, somebody's in there. <laughs> yeah. Then, then that's okay. Look, folks, uh, listen. If Genevieve's story, and I got to ask, do you still, do you know where that little girl is today? Hmm. Not her, but a couple others. <laughs> yeah, I was curious because like, I, I, I mean, listen, folks. If you're, if Genevieve's story of that little girl doesn't touch your heart and make you go out tomorrow and go to Walmart, go to Nordstrom, go to Saks, go wherever you are and order a whole bunch of PJs and drop them off at, and where, I mean, if somebody wanted to drop off, where could they drop off or send? Well, if they go to pajamaprogram.org, pajamaprogram.org, they can see what we do. I think is a tab and then local chapters. They can see who to contact in their city or state. So, so folks, Take that time. Listen to me. There is nothing. I have people that are very close in my life who have taken in children who are in that 24 hour. Hey, they need somewhere to go and have taken those children in and, you know, been able to provide because they have a strong home. That doesn't happen with every kid. There's, you know, look for your local organizations, look for things to be part of it. 
that's what makes a society folks. It's not your iPhone. It's not your anything else. It's how does a society support its own? So, mm -hmm. so figure out where, where your local chapter is. Go support what Genevieve's got going on. Check out Genevieve's website, Genevieve Pitur Pituro. Pituro. <laughs> Pituro. I almost said it right. Genevieve Pituro, P-I-T-U-R-R-O.com. Go check out what Genevieve's got going on. See, see what's happening here. And look, I say this every week, folks. If you're finding me through Genevieve or Genevieve through me, take a moment, follow on social media, see what we've each got going on. That like, follow, share, just like your kid has when they're watching a show. Like, like, follow, and share. See what we've got going on. Guess what? It's a real thing. They wouldn't say it if it didn't matter. It creates part of the algorithm. The algorithm sees what we have going on, and it's and it feeds it to other people. I, perfect example. Just this week, I had like randomly out of the blue, all of a sudden, I'm getting all these YouTube follows. Well, that's because YouTube finally fed my my feed to people because other people were following, and that's how the process works. So make sure you take the time, see what Genevieve's got going on, give Genevieve a support, give her a like, go find find her her media. Make sure that that you got you folks are looking at these things because it truly, truly makes a difference in everyone's life. Back to sticker and a cause from look, maybe you've got your own 501c. That's what this is for. That's what sticker and a cause is for. Because I want you to reach out to me and say, hey, Murph. I know somebody who's got something. So make sure you reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, and uh, at X now, I guess X. It's not Twitter. It's X. Mm -hmm. I always get it wrong. X now. So make sure you're, you're reaching out to us. We do this every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live. As you can see with Kristen, uh, Francisco, Nate, they all, they all jumped on and get to ask questions, interact right with the guests right here. So make sure you're following us. Now, we talked about this before, Genevieve that this is like episode 205, I think, 205 or 206. I have to look. So I know you've listened to every single one. You've binged them all. You've stuck mm -hmm. them all in. You're, they're living within your, your brain right now. So the question becomes, as we're coming to the end here, the guest always gets the final word. So you tell me, what is your final word, Genevieve? Purpose. Don't, me. don't log off on me when we get done here. So what is it again? Purpose. Alrighty, folks. Be sure to push your stool in. This has been a Second Front Podcast presentation found on Apple, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. 